0: Yea, amen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Can I tell you something? It is good to be back with you guys, and I mean that with all my heart. Uh, so many of y'all this morning have said, um, "Thank you, it's to see back." Blah blah, and then a couple of made threats. Like, it, like if you weren't here today, we were going to come looking for you. So I want to tell you, we missed you guys. We had a great trip. I'll tell you about a little bit about it, believe it or not, in the middle of the message. But we had a great time. But, boy, it is good to be back home at Dorksville Baptist Church. And I know you guys had a good time. Uh, we saw pictures of Wednesday night. And, uh, wow, how incredible was all of that. Well, today, we want to talk about Christmas time. Christmas time. You know, one of my favorite songs is Andy Williams. You know, he sings that song and says, It's the most wonderful time of the year and indeed i believe it is now it might be for the world or even maybe for us that's all the different aspects of christmas but for most of us we understand it's the most wonderful time of the year because of jesus because it's the time when we celebrate the birth of the lord jesus christ you know there's a song and um it's a from 1951, and it was kind of a bluegrassy song, and it was written by a guy that was an engineer, not on a train, but in a lab, and it's real simple. It's kind of a little ditty song, and it's recorded about, oh, by 15 or 20 um, country music artists, and Leanne DeNeal came up and said, I actually knew that song uh, that you sang, but it's real simple, and I'll just do the little chorus for you. You know, it goes something like this. It goes, Christmas time's a coming, Christmas time's a coming.'" Christmas time's are coming and I'll be going home. And that's a little ditty course. But you know what I found out as I thought about this? And by the way, I just did you a disfavor, because that will probably be in your brain for the rest of your life. I mean, when I started thinking about this last week, no, not this week, but last week, God kind of gave me the idea of using that. It just got in my brain, Christmas time's are coming But it's one of the best Advent songs there is. Christmas time is coming, Christmas time is coming, Christmas time is coming, and because of that, I'll be going home. I'll be going home. It all started. It all started back in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve had sinned, and and God the Father and 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 and. and, and Adam and Eve and Satan was having this conversation. And, you know, God made that first promise. He he made the promise of the first gospel. And he said, you know, he said, look into the future. He said, you need to know something, buddy old Satan. You may bruise this person's heel. And he was talking about the cross when when this person would come and die on a Roman cross for the sins of mankind. But then he looked at him and he said, however, he's going to wound your head. In other words, you're going to bruise him but he's going to overcome you. And he was talking about overcoming sin and death and Satan. And if you'd been there, and in the quiet whispers of the garden, you may have heard Christmas times a-coming, Christmas times are coming You may have heard that whispered. And then, and then if we fast forward uh, uh, several, 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 several centuries, and we're, and we're there, and the, and the children of God are in Egypt, and they're under bondage, and God has chosen the time, in the fullness of time, Mark, in the fullness of time, to set the, the people free from, from Pharaoh. And they said, well, I want you to take um, a lamb and slaughter it, a pure lamb, and I want you to put that lamb, uh, lamb's blood over the, over the doorpost. And then whoever is in that home where that blood is shed... And the death angel that passes through Egypt tonight, killing all the firstborn, will not kill the firstborn of that home. And if you'd have heard it that night, if you'd have been there, you might have heard Christmas times a-coming. And then throughout all the sacrificial systems, as as the lamb after lamb after lamb after ram after ram after ram was, was slain before God, looking forward to the ultimate sacrifice of the Lamb of God. As you saw that sacrificial system, you probably would have heard, Christmas times are coming, Christmas times are coming. And we fast forward through to the prophet, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7, where, where, where God's word proclaims that a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and his name would be called Emmanuel. God with us. Christmas times a-coming. Christmas times a-coming. And then just a couple chapters later, as God's words continues and said, said, a son will be born, a child will be born, and shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And you'd have heard it. Christmas time's a-coming. Christmas time's a-coming. And then God went silent. Four hundred years. And God didn't speak a word. And then one day, It was no longer, it was no longer Christmas times are coming. It was joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Ironically, that song refers to the second coming and not the first coming. It refers to the time when Christ will physically reign on the earth, but, but we have so oh, through the ages moved it to Christmas. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Chuck Swindoll wrote and said these words. They're playing our songs. They're playing our songs in grocery stores, elevators, shopping malls, and on every radio station joy to the world the lord is come and and what we've got we need to embrace this because do you understand they they're talking about our savior this is the one time of year in america where the name of jesus is proclaimed boldly again from every station and almost from every lip of every entertainer joy to the world the lord is come it's our message Honestly, Chuck, it's his message on their lips. We were at Disney World, and that's really quite a miracle. There are two reasons that's a miracle, because I don't like large crowds, and I don't want to spend a lot of money on tickets. But my family said it would mean a lot to them, so I did and went to Disney World, and and I I really came back with a different opinion of Disney World, and we'll touch on that another time. I'll start you. You blog readers, you grits readers, you'll be hearing some stories. Um, But anyway, so we get there, and let's just say that Disney World is not known for being a a stronghold for conservatism. Uh, They're really quite liberal. And um, so anyway, so I'm sitting there, and so we we went to um, Mickey Mouse's Merry Christmas party. Okay, now you say, what is that? That was another way for them to get $179 of my money. Okay, so so we went to this party, and we're sitting there, it's 10 o'clock at night, and yes... Yes, we did stay up till 10 o'clock at night. Jean and I both did this. And so we're sitting there, and then all of a sudden, it's time for the fireworks. And here is Cinderella's castle, and somehow they were projecting all these images of silver bells and snowflakes and all over this castle. And then all of a sudden, the music starts with, with oh, man, it's just incredible. And, and then the fireworks are all timed to the music. And in this bastion of you know liberalism, guess what they're playing? Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Their, their message, His message is on their lips. I'm riding home and we have the serious radio thing where you can play you know, all this music. And I'm playing Christmas music. And there's Frank Sinatra, the guy who said, I'll do it my way. As he sang Sal at night, a Savior is born. A Savior is born. Christmas times are coming. And because of Christmas, we have the opportunity to go home, to go home. Well, how did this all start? How, how did this all happen? Well, there's no event in history better planned um, by, uh, other than by Christmas and by Easter by God. I mean, it's the greatest event that was ever planned out. It didn't just happen. It was God's divine plan to redeem people like us. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4, the first part, it talks about, and so when the fullness of time had come, again, four year, 400 years of silence, and after 400 years of silence, God doesn't speak. He shouts, he shouts a message of redemption for broken people like you and me. The the religious system of Judaism by this time had just totally imploded, had totally collapsed. It was nothing but religious and ritual and and rote. That's all it was, it was a dead religion. Um, It was corrupt and the priests were corrupt and the people were just totally uh, clueless and mindless. And you know the government, even today this is true. But it's true then, Rome was just, well all they could offer was dead gods and fake gods. Yes, they, they brought in the roads, they, the, the transportation roads were there laid down by Rome um, so that the gospel could be carried. Uh, they had Koine Greek, which is a very, the common language, so it gave a common language for the gospel to be shared. And there was a forced peace by the Romans, but they could offer nothing. So God determined that God determined that the time was right. You ever say, "Why did God wait till 2,000 years ago for Christmas? Because God's timing is always perfect. You need to learn that in your life. Because you're wondering why God didn't answer a prayer in 15 minutes. You're wondering why God didn't do something --'t Do you understand I, I told Judy this. we were watching the baptism video, and Amber prayed for her husband Daniel, to be saved and baptized. For 16 years. Just remember this. God doesn't operate on our clocks. He operates on His. And God may not be early, but trust me, He is never late. So in the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. On that glorious time 2,000 years ago, whether it was December or April, was it a Tuesday or a Thursday, we don't know. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Dan Schaefer says, Christmas celebrates the awesome and amazing fact that God is grander and wiser and more mysterious than we could have ever imagined. I'm so glad that we have a mysterious God. I'm, I'm so glad we have a God who could write Isaiah 55 and say, My ways are higher than your ways. You know and I know if we'd have planned Christmas, it had been a great grand opening, and Jesus would have been born some castle somewhere to royal and rich and intelligent parents. That's how we would have done it. But God sent his son to be born... Of a poor, peasant, virgin girl in a stable. Why? Because he was a savior to people. Everyday people. Normal people. Christ, Christmas celebrates the awesome and the amazing fact that God is grander and wiser and more mysterious than we could have ever Imagined over in Romans chapter five and verse number six, you know, he puts it this way, and Paul does. When we were utterly helpless, you know, have you ever seen a newborn baby? Most of us have. I mean, I mean, there's nothing more helpless than a human baby that's just been born. They can do absolutely nothing for themselves. When we were utterly helpless, that was us. We were as helpless as the newborn baby that was born that day when Jesus was born. He was a human baby. We were utterly helpless. And Christ came at just the right time. Why? To die for us sinners. Isn't that amazing? God planned Christmas and God planned Easter. That Jesus could die for people like us. That he could grow up and die on a Roman cross and be laid in a tomb and bust out three days later, proving he was the Son of God. How amazing is that Chuck I don't usually do two Chucks in a row but Chuck Swindoll says this this is the message of Christmas this is the message on a rescue mission designed by his father before time began before there was a sinner before there was sin before there was an earth This plan was laid down on a rescue mission designed by his father before time began. Jesus silently slipped into our world. He breathed our air. He felt our pain. He became acquainted with our sorrows, suffered and died for our sins to show us the way out of our darkness and into his glorious light. How wonderful is that? Paul goes, Paul goes on and writes in Galatians 4, the second part of verse 4. You know, born of a woman, again, but not just a woman, uh, four to, 14 to 17 years old, a peasant girl who simply found grace in the eyes of God and who accepted the invitation of God. You know, I love that word invitation. Hey, Mary, I'm inviting you to be the mother of my son, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And she accepted that invitation. Her only question was, how can this be, since I don't know a man? How can this be? He said, oh, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and the power of of God will overshadow you. And this child you conceive will be the Savior of the world. How amazing is that? Now, born of a woman, born under the law, Jesus was. In other words, born under the full expectations of the law, sinless, holy, and perfect, to redeem those who were under the law. To redeem people like me and you. hmm, People like me and you who were never going to get it right. On our best day, we never were going to get it right. You know, sometimes when we're wanting to cast stones at people, we got to remember something. Paul said that when you've broken one of the laws, you broke all of them. No matter how good we think we are, we're all lawbreakers. And that's why we needed a Savior. That's why we needed a Redeemer. And my teaching point says it pretty good. Born not a woman, but a virgin, meeting the full expectations of the law for those, all of us who never, never, Tim Keller, one of my favorite people to quote, says this. Christmas means not just hope for the world. Not just hope for the world. Despite all its unending problems. But hope for you and for me. Despite all our unending failures. No matter how much we've messed up. No matter how long our sin list is. His grace is sufficient. Isn't that good news? See, Christmas is all about this, this wonderful, wonderful good news. Well, he goes on, and this is probably my favorite part, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 5, the second part, he says, "So so that we might receive adoption as sons. See, we know, from, we know from, Genesis, uh, from John chapter 3, Ryan, we, we know from there, you know, Jesus is talking to a religious leader, you know. And, and so, so Nicodemus is asking all these questions, and Jesus finally says, you know, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. And, of course, that really confused him. How can these things be? Can I enter again in my mother's womb? He said, no, no, no. Unless, unless you're born of water, and I personally think that refers to physical birth, and the spirit, not spiritual birth, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. So so we must be born again then to become a child of God. And that's what happens when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive our sins and choose to follow him, then we are born again. But that's not the end of the story. There's more. You know, we got this, we get this holy DNA thing we become God's child. But there's more because it says, knowing that we're born again, we receive the adoption as sons. In other words, what he's saying is that, that you, when you're born again, you, know, you have the holy DNA, you become a, a child of God, but also you are adopted into God's family. Well, do I, do I, what's the big deal? I mean, we're born again. What's the big deal about adoption? Oh, it's big. It's a big deal. Amen. It means this. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus... You are born again. Second Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But you receive the full rights and privileges of a son. Isn't that awesome? So, so I, I, I used to, you know, the baptism, you know, it's my lead you know, to Eli and Emily, to the Lord. And here they, two young kids. And I told them that that day. I said, now listen, today you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you have all the rights and privileges of someone who's been saved for years. You need to know that. You need to understand that. That God, listen, listen, God trusts you with all the rights and privileges of being his son. Adult son. How amazing is that? You receive the adoption as sons. Now watch this. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Because you're a son, he sends his spirit. And we cry out. He cries out, Abba, Father. I love this term, you know, Abba, Father. Um, it, it could be translated, dearest Father, dearest Father. It's a term that Jesus used on the cross, Abba, Father, dearest Father. How could this be? Because you know, the Israelites could never would have never grasped this truth. I mean, to them, God, they wouldn't even say the name of God. They wouldn't even write the name of God. God was so distant. He was a powerful, distant deity. But Father? But that's what the gospel does. He only caused us to be born again. He caused us to be adopted into his family. When Jesus is on the cross and he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the Bible says he shouted again. He shouted, it is finished. It is finished. And the word tells us in Matthew that that curtain, that, that curtain that separated the holy from the, from the most holy, that curtain was torn from top to bottom. Some say the curtain was six inches thick and it was torn. And you know what that was all about? It was God hanging out the welcome sign to whosoever will. No longer was God unapproachable, but by the death of His Son, by His shed blood, by His resurrection, by our faith, by our believing what Jesus did and choosing to follow Him, we can come into the presence of God. Isn't that awesome? So Christmas and Easter is all about. And so 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 we hear this cry of Abba Father, dearest daddy, dearest daddy. To some that's that's not it's not proper. But it's it's a first cousin to the translation. Some people say, Well, you should not use that casual of a term with God. Well, trust me, I'm a southern boy. It had nothing to do with being casual. When I called, when I said to my father, I said, Daddy, it was being cut. My, my daddy didn't do casual. Can I have an amen? amen. It was a term of intimacy. It was, a, it was a term that me and my father shared of intimacy. And when I say the term, dearest daddy, it's a term of intimacy. It's not being too casual. Too familiar with God. It's a term of intimacy. And that's why Jesus died. That we can come into the presence of God in intimacy. You want to know what prayer is all about? It's not about getting your wish list done. It's about intimacy with God dearest father. You know, Paul said another way in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. If if you've got this unhealthy fear of God, if, oh, oh no, he's going to zap me. Oh no, he's going to kill me. You've got an unhealthy opinion of God. Paul says, you don't have this spirit, you know, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as children. Now we call him Abba Father, dearest father, and if you're from the south, dearest daddy, How incredible. How incredible. Who could refuse an offer like this? Eternal life, forgiveness of our sins, something we could never do, he did on our behalf. How could we refuse that? And the God who made it all allows me to call him. How amazing is that? Let me close with a, with a Piper quote. And it's appropriate for me, and you get it this week, but look to Jesus this Christmas. Look to Jesus this Christmas. We normally do not, we were gone two weeks for England, but to miss two Sundays was quite unusual, and to be gone 13 days is quite unusual. It was vacation time, by the way. So on December the 4th, my oldest granddaughter, Faith, got married. And I was doing the ceremony. So we choose to took that day off so we could devote it totally to her. And boy, was it cool. It was really neat. And then we got up the next morning and left at 5.30, got up about 4.15, and we drove to Atlanta following the bus. And 35 people went and worked in the OCC um, distribution center. Somebody say, wow. It was wow, trust me. It was awesome. And then then we got up, and what we did was they, they went back home, and we went to Disney World where my two grandchildren, two of my grandchildren, were waiting. They didn't know we were coming, and we opened the door, and they went nuts. You know, it's funny what they said. James goes, w- 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 different translation here. You know, um, we expected ma but papa. <laughs> honestly, honestly. But anyway, so we spent these four incredible days with our children. And then we get in the car, and we drive to South Georgia, and we see my sister, And then we see all the Allens, with the exception of one or two, living and dead. You know, we see all the Allens. Then we go to the cemetery. I tease Judy because she's taking a picture of the headstone. I said, Honey, it's the same as it was last year. She goes, No, it's not. It's got Christmas flowers on it this year. So we took a picture of all the dead people and had a great time with all the living people. And then we loaded up, and we went to Agnes's house, my sister, my oldest sister, spent the night with them, and we got back home last night at 4 o'clock. Now, what does that have to do with anything, Dwayne? Everything. When I got home last night, as I was studying and looking, I said, it's time to look to Jesus now, Dwayne. you got seven days. All that wonderful busyness, you need to lay that aside. And now you need to devote this week to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, as your pastor, I want to challenge you. You need to devote this week to Jesus. Not to shopping. And and that's part of it, not for cooking. That's part of it, but you got to look to Jesus this Christmas. you you got to receive the reconciliation that he brought. And, And for some of you here today, perhaps you've never trusted Christ. You tried religion. You tried being a denomination. Boy, it did nothing for you. And maybe something you heard today, how God planned Christmas just for you and how it involved his son dying on a cross and coming back to life. And maybe you today want to receive that reconciliation. And that simply means you were separated from God, and now you can come together. Reconciliation. For some of you, it won't be a receiving of reconciliation. It'll be reveling in, enjoying the reconciliation. Remembering what Jesus did for you. Remembering how you were lost on your best day, condemned to a Christless hell. And then one day, God invited you, and you said yes. And today, you're born again, and you're adopted. Receive the reconciliation that he brought. Don't put it on the shelf unopened. Don't, don't pretend like it's a gift you got, that Jesus never got around to open it. Rather, he said, and don't make it, and then uh, don't open it, and then make it a means to, your, to all your pleasures. You know, that's, what, you know, that's really what, kind of what God is to so many people. It's just, it's just a uh, something that he, they used, a magic genie, the quarter in the, in the machine to get what we want. No, no. Open it, enjoy the gift. Enjoy the gift. Rejoice in him. Make him your pleasure. These last seven days, make no not church, not religion. These last seven days, make him your pleasure pleasure. Make him your treasure. I want to challenge you as your pastor, just like I had to make a decision when I got back home. There are several things going on, but I am determined these seven days. Thank you, Lord, for the 13 I had, driving, enjoying family and all of that. But Father, I want to just thank you for these last seven days. Help me to enjoy you. Help me, Lord, to make you my treasure there's a word that we baptists don't use and this baptist doesn't use it but it is something that i learned several years ago from the westminster catechism and here's what it says they ask a question what is the chief end of man what is the purpose of man what's the chief end of man and i would like to take a little bit of liberality and i want to adjust that i want to tweak it just a little bit for this morning and so I want to change the question to this. What is the chief end of man this Christmas? So what is your chief end this week? Well, it answers the question and goes like this. Man's chief end this Christmas is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Can I give you a challenge? This week, would you make it your end to glorify God? Have you ever thought about this? Remember those Christmas songs I said the world's singing? Is it possible that that might be an entrance way to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? And you can say it this way. Hey, have you ever thought about what you're singing? You ever thought about those Christmas songs? It might be an entrance way to sharing the gospel. Glorify God. And just enjoy him. Just enjoy him. I don't think I'm being too loose if I were to say he's an enjoyable God. He's an enjoyable God. And then, and then let's move past seven days and make it what the catechism says, forever. May this year be the start of a new beginning for us to live. And Mark, you—that you was so bold of you to say. You know, we're all forced into missionaries as long as it's not our kid, not our grandchild. But how bold, you know, to 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 glorify God, to glorify God forever, and that includes, oh God, if you can use my child, if you can use my grandchild, if you can use me then, Father, the answer is yes. That's what it was with Mary. She simply said yes. And then to enjoy Him, not just this week, for the rest of our lives. Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you so much for listening so well today. It was certainly my friend. It's so good, again, to be back with y'all. Every week we have a time of decision. I always ask my friend Brent to come down forward. And he'll be here this morning. And the invitation really is for two things. Um, one is, so have you ever made that commitment? Have you, ever, have you ever said yes to Jesus Christ? You know, he's been looking for you. He's been looking for you. And that simply means that you reach a point where you understand you believe what the Bible says about Jesus. That he was the son of God. That he died for your sin and my sin. He died a death. That, we, that it was ours to die, as Mark said, and that he resurrected. And you want to make him the new boss of your life, the Lord of your life. You want to choose to turn from your way of doing things to his way of doing things. If you'll do that, he'll forgive your sins, he'll give you eternal life. The second part is this Are you willing today? Would you be willing today? To understand that you're, as a Christ follower, your purpose, your purpose is to glorify God. Whether you work in the mines or at a bank. Whether you go to school or whether you just live in the neighborhood. Your purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him. Are you willing to make that commitment today? Hey, Father, thank you so much for the privilege of sharing your word Thank you that Christmas did come. Thank you there was a morning when it was joy to the world. The Lord has come. The angels sang to the shepherds. Glory to God in highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. We look forward to these last seven days. Help us to live them well. Glorifying you. And enjoying you. So please take this time. Do with it as you see fit. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.